0: Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown on AMI-TV. January is Alzheimer's Awareness Month in Canada. Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia. There is no one specific treatment proven to prevent dementia. There are things you can do to reduce the risk. Dr. Nicole Anderson can offer some guidance. Dr. Anderson is a senior scientist, interim executive director of academic and scientific affairs, and director of the Ben and Hilda Katz Interprofessional Research Program in J. and Dementia Care at the Baycrest Hospital. Dr. Anderson is also the Associate Scientific Director for the new Kimmel Family Center for Brain Health and Wellness. Hey, Dr. Anderson, good morning. How are you today?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Uh, you must have a very small fonts on your business card.
1: <laughs> I do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: let's let's uh, jump into this right away. There are things that people can do to prevent risks of dementia by changing lifestyle choices and other health treatments. And there are a couple to get through here, and one of them is the elimination of smoking. How much can smoking increase the risk of developing dementia?
1: Well, it's hard to say for any one factor on its own. Um, In the Lancet model, I think smoking was about 2%, uh, because often people who smoke also have other conditions that increase risk. And it's important to take that that commonality into account. Mm. Um, but basically anything that's bad for the heart is bad for the brain. Uh, so smoking is one of those things. It cuts off oxygen to our bloodstream. So it's starving the brain of oxygen as well. So, the- uh, so what the research shows is that for people who Uh, previously smoked but quit five years or more ago, they look pretty similar to people who never smoked before in terms of their risk of dementia. So that's the good news, is quitting and sustaining your quitting uh, really significantly reduces your risk.
0: So to sort of flip that around, things that are good for the heart are going to be, in the aggregate, good for the brain. So how does Mm -hmm. physical activity play into this in regards to lowering the risk?
1: That's probably one of the biggest factors for dementia risk that we can do something about. Uh, So there's tons of evidence that physical activity, uh, especially aerobic activity and resistance training, so strength training, uh, help to maintain cognition, improve brain function, and even grow the brain in size, because we know that when we exercise, uh, we're allowing new neurons to be formed uh, and become incorporated into the brain to be functional. So uh, exercise is incredibly important. I like that we're looking at walking right now because it does not have to be becoming a triathlete. Just anything that gets your heart pumping uh, shows these benefits to cognition
0: and brain health. I, I was actually going to follow up with that in regards to intensity, right? Because exercise means different things to different people, but generalized mm-hmm. physical activity is is pretty much a positive no matter how you slice it.
1: Exactly. And what's vigorous for one person would uh, be dangerous for another person. So it's getting to your level of moderate to vigorous activity, whatever that is for you.
0: What about mental stimulation? What about things like continuing education or ongoing learning?
1: Yeah, that also has been shown to be associated with improved cognition and lower dementia risk. Um, we know that when we're thinking, that also induces the growth of new neurons, but also it creates like a richer neural network, so what we call better brain reserve. So that if you do start developing the pathologies that lead to dementia, you have enough um, alternative pathways to use so that you might not experience cognitive decline despite the pathology. So it's important to always keep learning. It doesn't have to be formal education. It could just be uh, uh, reading books, attending lectures, discussion groups, what have you, whatever you, you are interested in
0: should have benefits. What about social engagement? I, I, I know that as uh, a few of my um, elderly elderly family members were, 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 were advancing in their lives, there was a lot of deliberate effort by them and my family to ensure that so, regular social engagement was part of their life. How important is consistent social engagement?
1: Yeah, that's another big one, too. So when we're lonely, we tend to become depressed. We have elevated cortisol, which is our stress hormone, and that hormone is pretty toxic to the brain. So it's important to stay socially connected. And what the the research shows, too, is that quality is more important than quantity. So you don't have to be connecting with tons and tons of people, but having a few close friends and confidants that you can really rely on is
0: what makes the difference. Uh, I like the way you phrase that because I'm not the most social animal in the world, so I don't want to have to go out every night if I need to. I uh, keep, keep this brain ticking. I value, I value some of my alone time. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to broaden the picture out a little bit here because there's been quite a bit of research on dementia and Alzheimer's, and there's still a lot of really good work going on, but as the population is aging, especially based on demographics in Canada, this is going to be a more and more important issue. What is some of the broader work that you and your associates are doing? What is some of the research that you and your colleagues are targeting moving forward?
1: Yeah, so there's a worldwide initiative called the Finger Worldwide Finger Initiative to conduct multi-domain intervention trials for dementia prevention. So um, unlike older studies that would just be, say, an exercise trial, now what we're doing is... uh, addressing exercise and nutrition and social engagement, cognitive engagement, everything that you can think of all at once, uh, which we think will have a much more powerful benefit for dementia prevention. Um, And at Baycrest, in particular, at the Kimmel Family Center for Brain Health and Wellness, um, that's a research study inside of a community center that's been recently built. Um, And it's a research study for people who are age 50 and over, do not have dementia um, and are willing to take part in the research study and and what happens is people get a very deep dementia risk evaluation looking at both their non-modifiable dementia risk factors the older we get the more at risk we are women are more at risk than men we can't do anything about these things Uh, but also importantly looking at all of the modifiable dementia risk factors the things that we've been talking about here today as well as a host of other things as well and then giving people a personalized program strategy to implement within the center, uh, so focusing on physical activity, brain healthy eating, cognitive engagement, social connections, and mental well being, and we'll follow people over time and keep assessing their dementia risk and their cognition to see how this approach benefits them.
0: You mentioned that some of the study is about people who are a little bit younger. And typically, perhaps people look at the issue of dementia and Alzheimer's as being something that's so centric on an aging population. How important is it for people my age, uh, geriatric millennials who are 40 years old, to, to start to start keeping in mind, looking for identifiers, signals, et cetera, at, like earlier on in life?
1: Yeah, dementia is a life course phenomenon. Our risk of dementia probably starts in utero, <laughs> depending on our maternal health uh, or the health of our mothers. But uh, really, there's risk factors accumulate across the lifespan, and many of them in midlife are very important. So midlife, uh, obesity, uh, hypertension, hearing loss in midlife is another very important one. So it's never too early to start thinking about what can I do to prevent my future risk of dementia. The other thing to keep in mind is that In the case of Alzheimer's disease, the brain pathology, the plaques and the tangles that most people have heard of, start to accumulate in the brain 20 years before people experience symptoms. So that's even more motivation that when you're in your 40s and 50s to start leading a healthy lifestyle to help prevent the effects of that pathology from affecting your ability to stay in good brain health.
0: Dr. Anderson, so grateful for the time you took this morning, so grateful for the work that you and your colleagues are doing. Thank you for this. Have a lovely day. Yeah, you too. That's Dr. Nicole Anderson coming up after the break. It's the regional news update with a story out of Montreal. The city wants to revitalize its downtown core. I'll share that with you. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.